Have you ever wondered why you're not making a podcast? Maybe because you think it's too hard. Well, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free. And there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I mean, you're immediately in the podcast game. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So right now, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Just go to A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M and join me on Anchor. special presentation of Night Drift with Jim Perry. Subscribe to its new feed now, wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Jim Perry, and you are listening to Night Drift. Uvamet's Week of Halloween, brought to you by Shudder, continues tonight with a conversation with Noel Boyd, founder of Ghost Files Singapore and the Haunted Hour podcast. Noel searches the dark history of the island city-state and surrounding Southeast Asia, sometimes at his own peril. Reminder, Night Drift has become its very own show and can now be found wherever you listen to podcasts. After this week, you'll need to subscribe to the Night Drift feed to continue catching new episodes. But tonight, join us exploring the ghost culture of Singapore in its first U.S. appearance. No void. That's all right now on this edition of Night Drift. So Noel Boyd, Singapore's leading ghost investigator, author, television host, and MC from Singapore. Noel, welcome to Night Drift, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me, Jim. Uh, I'm sorry this took so long to happen. I know, like we were talk, we were talking about this for so long, and then you know, uh, became a father like what five months ago. That's yeah. right. Congratulations. Yeah, so busy. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, yeah, you're a busy man. That's exactly what I was going to say. So good things, you know, sometimes it takes time. I understand this is actually, so is this one of your first U.S. appearances? Yeah, it's actually the first. Wow. Yeah, I'm still thank you for this, man. Yeah, well, I'm completely surprised because the quality of your work and what you've been working on over in Singapore is completely fascinating. I, I, you know, I love digging into the history that you provide within the context of that country and region. And uh, your work is just so cool. And so it's, it's an absolute honor to, to be your first over here in the United States, uh, hopefully the first of many. So firstly, let's, let's dive a little bit into what is Ghost Files Singapore? Um, it's basically a paranormal uh, team that goes out to explore supposedly haunted 
areas in this very small country that I live in. Um, yeah, you can get from one end to the other, the other end of the country in like what maybe under an hour. That's how small we are. Really? Whoa. Yeah, but we've got a population of about five million people in a small country. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, yeah. So we a lot of Singapore is supposed to be haunted, and that dates back to World War Two, where the Japanese occupied Singapore, and then they tried to get rid of a certain race. So that's the, the Chinese population. Yeah, so wow. being in a small country with a very dark history uh, based on the war that we experienced, yeah, therefore, you know, a lot of parts of the island said to be haunted. Yeah. Can you could describe a little bit about Singapore's, the Singapore culture's relationship to ghosts? You know, I believe they're still fairly taboo, right, this topic? Yeah, very though. Um, Singaporeans enjoy talking about ghost stories, mm-hmm. but only in the day. So it's taboo to to, to speak about it at night. Wow. Um, they're taboos like you got to you can't cut your fingernails at night because if you do, then the ghost will come. Hmm. Or you can't hang your laundry out at night because a certain um, uh, vampire type ghost. It's called the Pontiana. The Pontiana. Well, she okay. she finds a prey based on the smell of fresh laundry. So you're not supposed to hang your laundry wow. out at night. Uh, and then wow. if, if you are coming home at night, you're supposed to wash your feet before you enter your house. Okay. Because if you don't, then the ghost is going to step into the house with you and then you're going to have a ghost um, wandering around your home. Yeah, so it's all these little superstitions that have been around for, for, for so long. Uh, and we, this is the, the Hungry Ghost Festival month. Okay. Uh, have right. you guys heard about right. this? No, please describe. That was going to be one of my questions. Can you describe what that event is? Because I, I feel like my goal was to be over there this year for this festival, to, to right. be hanging out with you maybe. So describe a little bit about what this festival entails. Yeah, so it happens once a year. Uh, it's a million-dollar industry because so what the Chinese um, here do is that they believe that the gates of hell would uh, be open and then the ancestors would come and visit. And so what they do is that they place um, offerings out. Uh, so this could be food, it could be items such as a... Uh, everything's made of paper, by the way, except the food, mm. right? So you can buy okay. um, the offerings that, that you would burn and that's not good for the ozone layer, by the way. But, right. you know, who am I to judge? Uh, so right. some of these offerings could include um, uh, iPads, which is made of paper, uh, mobile phones, um, a Ferrari car, and they would burn all these stuff. And this is supposed to go, and then the ancestors or whoever is supposed to be able to, to use them. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And they have concerts. Yeah, How they- interesting and reflective that is of the individual's that are giving things. It's almost as if what is something that you put value in, right? Well, obviously my iPhone or obviously, yeah, this luxury automobile, that's, yeah, that's what you burn, right? Like it's interesting that interactivity between what people put as important and what they would offer in that regard. Yeah. And then stuff like you're not supposed to go out at night during the Hungry Ghost Festival because that's when good ghosts and bad ghosts, you know, they're all out and there's supposed to be demons around. And yeah, so the Hungry Ghost Festival makes a lot of money for some people. 
And then they, they have concerts as well. Mm. And so the front row of these concerts, um, at these concerts, you can't sit on the front row because that's where the ghosts sit. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. So, you know, is this something that uh, basically, were you, did you grow up in Singapore? Yeah, I did. Uh, born here, raised there. Okay. And, and being born and raised there is, uh, you know, attending this festival sort of a, a normal occurrence and growing up with these sort of stories, uh, a part of your youth, really? Mm, not really, though. I think it was later on in my adult years where I attended like the first event. It's called a, a Kirtai. So a Kirtai has got like this big dinner and it's got a lot of alcohol and it's got... Um, people singing on stage. They have uh-huh. an auction where they auction off like a whole bunch of stuff. So it's a good time. Sounds like a good time. <laughs> yeah, it was an eye opener though. Mm-hmm. Like all these things are done for for ghosts. Yeah, yeah, that blew my mind. Yeah, and this is a, this is a separate event. What you're describing right now from the from the festival itself. Yeah, no, it's part of the the festival. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So besides the prayers and the offerings that they give, this is something else that goes along with it. Yeah, right, right. Those are those are yeah, those are those type of events that uh do hold some sort of significant spiritual power it seems, right? Like they, mm-hmm. they grip you because the the context is is the, wait, these are for these are for the dead? These aren't yeah. really even for us to enjoy even though we are like you know, that's an interesting contradiction there, right? Yeah, but we they enjoy in a way as well. I mean, with the alcohol and the good food. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I wonder, you know, in that case, when was it that you first became fascinated by ghosts? Did, did you have experiences early in life that influenced you? Yeah, I used to be so scared of, of ghosts. I think I had my first experience when I was a child and that, um, that scarred me in a way. And then it's only about 13 years ago when, because, you know, we as humans, we fear things that we don't know about. If we don't understand the subject, right? And it's, right. a lot of people can't see ghosts. And, well, I decided to read up more. And I, so I read up a lot of books, went online, did my research. And then the, the more I read, the realized that I realized that my fears were just based on whatever Hollywood or Asian television was, mm. was showing me, right? That ghosts right. are very scary creatures and... And you could you should stay away from them. Sure. And then yeah, once I got over that fear, the adrenaline took over, and yeah, thirteen years I think yeah, both twelve or thirteen years now. Yeah. And what was that like when you first started going to these haunted locations with the intent of investigating in a serious way? Was it hard for you to do, uh, you know, sort of divorce those expectations of the Hollywood version of ghosts to what you were then about to experience? Yeah, I mean, it was exciting, uh, and I got to explore all these places. I've got so much history, but it's dark history, right? Mm. Uh, and I got to explore them, and I got to debunk a lot of stories that have been passed down for generations. Mm. Yeah. And that's powerful, right? Like, that seems like that's one of the most important parts of this to you, maybe? Would, yeah. Would, would I be going on a limb there? Yeah, and, and I love educating people about my country. Um, a lot of people think that Singapore is in China. <laughs> we are far away from China. We are next to Malaysia. Like, we can drive into to Malaysia. Not now, because of the, the pandemic. Uh, we can't really do that now. But, yeah, we are closest to, to 
Malaysia. And uh, it's a country that's very rich because we've got so many races living together. So uh, it's a multiracial country. We've got Indians here. We've got the Malays. We've got the Chinese. We've got the expats, you know. Uh, but uh, it's a united country in, in, in many ways. Well, in a lot of ways, it reminds me of some sort of science fiction city. Right? Yeah, it is. I mean, of course, there's challenges there, and it's certainly not a utopia, right? But there are aspects of it that seem like something out of a Philip K. Dick novel, uh, in like sort of the most positive ways, uh, because of that diversity of the folks that live there and the different amounts of culture and um, languages that are expressed there is really interesting. Have you found that that sort of uh, melting pot, for lack of a better term? influences the types of spirits or entities that you experience there in Singapore? Mm. Initially, that's what I thought. Then I soon realized that they're all basically the same because if mm. I speak to them in English, that's the only language I can speak, by the way. Mm. So if I speak to them in English, um, they respond, you know. Mm. And then if somebody else speaks to them in, in Malay, they do respond as well. So I feel that language is in is it a barrier for, for ghosts per se? Yeah. Are there um, bits of historical lore, though, from those different cultures that have merged together or that have found home there that represent, uh, for example, there's a large contingent of Muslims there mm-hmm. in Singapore, correct? Are there uh, jinns, right? Are there cultural artifacts from their paranormal history that you've seen expressed within ghosts or entities there? Yeah, um, so the Malays, they believe a lot in jinns and um, the, the Thais as well, right? So you've got Indonesia, you've got Singapore, you've got Thailand. Um, they, they believe in jinns and they believe that you could, you, you can capture one or you can buy one from a uh, common and then the jinn will do like the work for you and, and will protect you and your family. And the, the Malays believe in something called the toyo, which is a, a, a child ghost. And that if you own one, you could get it to steal money from your neighbor, you know. Wow. Uh, and then there's the Pontiana, who is supposed to be a pregnant lady that died either within child, yeah, that has passed on during childbirth. And so she wants to get revenge. Uh, she wants to get revenge on men. So that's why she goes after after men. Wow. Yeah, so it's this lady that would be sitting on a tree with long hair and she's in white. And most of the oh, time she's shit. carrying a baby. So we've got a lot of movies made about the Pontiana. I think one of them is on Netflix and it's called Pontiana. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah, it seems like the perfect archetype for, for a horror film to, to be based on for sure. You know, I'm I'm interested, you know, do you get reports as a ghost investigator or have you in looking into things like a neighbor who feels they've had a, 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 an entity from a neighbor steal money from them or belongings, or is there like a sort of a, a, a crime aspect to this that you encounter that I, that I think that, I mean, let me think about this for a second, because I'm trying to tie that context to something that would be more prevalent in the United States per some of the traditions and things here. And mm-hmm. we don't, I, I'm going to guess this, but we don't see as much like sort of uh, hexing 
or benevolent witchcraft that is acknowledged within our culture, even in the paranormal culture, mm-hmm. as in a normal everyday part of experience, right? Like, well, this yeah. witch hexed the guy and then it came and then the thing and then that's not what we typically see. But I understand like based on like lore and legend that there there is something more common about you know folks that subscribe to the Malay tradition of mm-hmm. having these entities go and steal money for them or do these tasks or chores. That's very different than what a lot of like sort of Western ghost phenomenon has to encounter. And that seems like a more elevated phenomenon to have to deal right. with. It, yeah. What is your experience dealing with that type of level of, of entity? Um, okay. In Singapore, black magic is is still widely used. Uh, so there's black magic and there's white magic. So you have these um, Thai Buddhist Achan. So they call them Achan. So they, they, they're basically mediums. And then you have the Malay Bomos, right? So those are the, the, the shamans. So they practice white magic and black magic. It's, it's actually a, a huge market. When I was writing my book, I went to, to Malaysia. So it's the nearest um, uh, state in Malaysia to us is Johor Bahru. So I, I went there to speak to this old man. So I spent like an entire day with him. And you see all these cars, all these cars from Singapore that, that would come and see him. And it wasn't the Malay seeing him, it was mostly Chinese businessmen would wow. say, oh, you know, stuff like, uh, I don't like my competitor, can you please do something about this? I don't like my neighbor. I want my wife to be faithful to me. What can you give me? I want more money. And it was just like so many people. And then I went there another day, it was the same thing. There is this island uh, in Malaysia called Pulau Besar. It's off a state in, in Malacca. It's an island on its own. And a lot of people go there to pray for luck and to pray for all sorts of stuff. But black magic is still commonly used. I get a lot of people uh, messaging me on social media telling me that somebody has done something to them. I, I don't know whether it really is happening or it could just be a um, a person imagining stuff, you know. Because if, if you do think something has been done to you and you're not strong-minded, then uh, your your you're going to get into a negative state and then yeah. just a lot of bad things will happen uh, right. over and over and over again. Right. Yeah. We talk yeah. about that a lot, like in this night drift series, the challenges that we face as being involved in the, in paranormal investigation or even telling these stories, right. That, that mm-hmm. balance between real experience and mental health and yeah. the, the sort of like weird, um, minutia between it somewhere that, that can perhaps exist as well in, in several things being true. But let's go back to, you know, when you were outside, you know, sort of that, um, that, that shaman's location where the cars were pulling up to do business and give business. How, how did it feel to see something like that going down? Like, how did it make you personally feel? It blew my mind. Uh, that, people would, would want another human being to suffer because of greed. Um, I believe, you know, if, if you want your wife to be faithful, you want your wife to love you, you just got to practice love. You just got to be the best partner that, that you can be, you know, and then you can love. Yeah. If you're bad at business, then maybe do something else, you know, rather than, than pay money so that 
you can inflict harm. Yeah, I, I don't think that's right. And I was a little disappointed, to, to be honest. Yeah, I, I could understand that. And I could under, like understand like a sort of, um, uh, I don't know, like almost a compulsion in digging deeper into what, I don't know, how that artifice works, right? Mm-hmm. And I understand that, that you did like sort of just that. And you've had experiences with BOMA, for example, that you covered in your YouTube series that yeah. sort of just left me like pretty stunned, man. Like your, I think you displayed something so honest that many ghost investigators have tried to. Mm-hmm. And that is when you find yourself in too damn deep. Yeah. You expressed that really well. Can you take us a little bit back into what your experiences with the BOMA were and where that eventually like sort of led you? Like, I'd love to just kind of hear that whole tale. If it's, I understand, like I understand if it's like a little challenging and I, and I appreciate um, if there's parts of it that you don't want to talk about or, but I think it would be really um, useful for the audience to hear this, to, to see where you're placed in all of this work. Yeah. Um, so I've had my battles with depression. And when I started the, um, the, the, the shoot for the BOMO documentary, I think it, it brought me more harm because just knowing how, how evil some people are, right? Yeah. And like visiting all these BOMOs in Singapore, Indonesia, and, and Malaysia, and then you hear the stories about what these people do, right? They, a lot of them, their intent is purely, they, they claim that they're helping people, but their true intent is to make as much money as possible and, and they harm other people. So it could be like the harmony in a house. You know, they, they don't even think twice about, about their actions. They feel that whatever they're doing is right, you know. Uh, I mean, for the love of God, I, I can never understand why some someone would want to to dig up another person's grave mm. just to get um, the soil from from the grave, or to get like parts of a coffin or parts like bones, you know, to to use in black magic because mm. that's morally wrong, right? Who the hell would do that? Yeah. And and then if you go to Thailand, what they do is that. Um, if someone has an abortion, they can sell the fetus to one of these people, oh, and wow. then and then they make like little figurines where you can buy uh, that. It's called the um, the kumantong. So then it's a child ghost, and then the ghost becomes like your slave. So you feed it every day, you know. Or if it's an adult that has passed on, uh, because there are a lot of accidents in in Thailand where they they can't identify the body, right? So what they do is that they burn down the cheekbone to extract the oil. And then they sell this oil to people. And people walk around with these amulets filled with, with this oil. I don't understand. Holy you know? shit. Yeah. And, and it's so common. It's so common there that it's like, it's part of everyday life. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so... So when, when you approached, you know, actually interacting with the BOMA and they took you through one of their rituals, right? Mm-hmm. What, did, what did that look like for you? What, what did they take you through that day? 
Um, there was some stuff that I couldn't use as footage because I didn't think it was right. Mm. Uh, yeah, so there's, they sacrifice animals. So they would, for example, they sacrifice a goat just for the blood, um, not for anything else. Um, they would sacrifice, sacrifice chickens. Like I, I think the, the, a lot of voodoo work, it's about the same, right? Okay. The voodoo rituals of um, a satanic cult. Yeah, so they would do that and then um, they would recite the person's name, like the person that they would want to harm. Yeah. And I, you know, there's a lot of uh, sort of almost like sort of trance work, it seems like, uh, with the, the BOMA uh, using a, a knife as like a pendulum, right? In, in mm-hmm. Which is something that, that is very occult, even sort of like Western occult practices use that within rituals. But what, what, are, what are they trying to symbolize with that pendulum work when they're doing that? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, so they claim that they can. Um, communicate with a spirit so if it moves in a clockwise direction or anti-clockwise you know it it answers yes or no um, yeah and a, and a spirit is responsible for that it could be a jinn for example yeah yeah and we'll ask you when we come right back what was going through your head during these rituals that's next Follow Night Drift with Jim Perry on Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to receive new episodes of Night Drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes. Shudder is going all out this year. With the 61 Days of Halloween, a two-month celebration of their favorite season, featuring weekly original and exclusive movie premieres, including one of my favorite films of the year, from our friends at SpectreVision, H.P. Lovecraft's Color Out of Space, starring Nicolas Cage and featuring the return of the great director, Richard Stanley. Any Euphemet listeners who lay in bed, sleeplessly pondering the works of John Keel, have to watch this film as it's the perfect complement to any podcast featuring tales of the Mothman and other monsters. And you can see it now on Shudder. Try Shudder free for 30 days. Just go to Shudder.com and use promo code Euphemet. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com. Use the promo code Euphemet. You can stream great thrillers, horror, and suspense for $5.99 a month or $56.99 a year. And they have the largest, fastest-growing, human-curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment. You can watch the Halloween films. You can watch the breakthrough scary-as-hell film Host, the exclusive series The Deadlands, or A Discovery of Witches. Shudder is really a unique collection, and I kept finding new shows and films. It's been my creepy companion all quarantine long because you get unlimited access and stream ad-free on all your favorite devices. So I can watch on my laptop in the office or go out into the living room and watch it on Apple TV. And now you can try Shudder for yourself. Try it for 30 days free and help support Euphemet while you do it. Just go to Shudder.com and use promo code Euphemet. S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com. From the heart of Cascadia and the edge of the world, Euphemet presents Night Drift with Jim Perry. 
as being, you know, a boots on the ground ghost investigator, right? You've found yourself in plenty of scary situations, which I want to ask you a little bit about. Thank you for indulging me and going sort of deep into this topic here. Um, But what was it like being in that little shack and going, did you have a moment where you're like, oh fuck, what did I get myself into here? Like I've, I'm too far into this or. Yeah. Yeah. And and I don't want to offend them. Right. (laughs) Because if whatever they're doing is legit, then that'd be really scary. So right. I uh, try not to offend them. And I also want to, to be able to explain things in a scientific way, you know? And then if, if I bring science into it, I might offend them. So what I did was just observe and then try to break it down after that. Yeah. I'm still trying to understand a lot of things that I, I, I've seen so far. Right, right. Yeah, is it the work of, of a devil of the devil, or um, is there like a certain way to make things move? And you know, um, yeah, like under the table, do they have magnets? Yeah, I'm still trying to understand. Right, yeah, because you saw st- stuff that definitely you couldn't explain that was happening yeah. there in relationship to their rituals. How did how did all this affect you? Because I noticed that after you produced that documentary, there was a change in your work, and mm-hmm. there was a change in the frequency of your work and what you were focusing on. And it seems like you had to like uh, take a chill for a second as well. It, am I right with that? I mean, how did it like sort of affect your work in, you know, doing, doing this? Yeah, I had to stop for a while. I needed to um, uh, get better. You know, I needed to clear my mind and, and just step away and, and enjoy life. Because for about two years, it was just intense. It was just like, I was just continuously doing uh uh, my paranormal work and you know like i said a lot of times it's like really dark history and it would get to me you know yeah. uh, why was this person murdered why is the case not solved you know and then i go to sleep with those thoughts right it's it's never a good thing yeah. so i need to take a break and then um get married so one of the highlights of my life and then uh, now i got a baby daughter like i mentioned earlier yeah so i'm enjoying life but i am working on on my podcast and uh and working on bringing something to national TV like very soon. I think taping for that stuff. Oh, hell yeah. In two weeks. That's great. Congratulations. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you, sir. I know people have been, yeah, all of your YouTube followers have been waiting for new video content. And I love that mm-hmm. you threw them the bone with the podcast because Haunted Hour is great. It's really fun. Oh, it's really thank cool. Thank you. So let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Like in in one of your episodes for the Haunted Hour, you shared that, you believed you had a ghost in your own house at a certain yeah. time. What was that yeah. all about? Um, okay, let's talk about Haunted Hour first. So it's it's my way of interviewing fellow Singaporeans about their ghostly experiences. You know, people love talking about uh, that one experience that scared them, right? So mm-hmm. I get to talk to them and, uh, yeah, and then the ghost in my house, which one are you referring to? It, go ahead and tell any of them because they're they're all, they're all pretty great. So whatever comes to your mind there. Yeah, so, I, you know, the moment I decided that I needed to take a break from this, I, I was at my mom's house and my fiancé was with me and she was sleeping in and I told her I'm going to cook lunch. And so I went out to, to the kitchen and I, was, and I was cooking and then she felt something sit on the bed, right? It's a pretty hot mattress, but she felt something sit on the bed and then this thing laid next to her and put 
its arm around her. And she thought it was me. It's like, oh, no, how did he cook so fast? Or did, did he decide they were going to order in? <laughs> and then she turned around and there was no one. And then she started crying. Yeah. So I could hear her cry, like rushing to the room. And she told me about what she experienced. And I told myself, you know, like whatever I'm doing is bringing stuff home and it's affecting mm. her. And that's, that's not fair at all. I mean, mm. she's the person I love most, right? And how can I do that to her? So then I made that decision to stop, like for good. And it was tough because I love what I do, right? Yeah. And it's been, what, two years now since I've taken a break. And then I feel that I'm better now. I, I, I think I know how I can protect my family. Uh, so that's why I'm, I'm, in a way, I'm coming back. I'm yeah. coming out of retirement. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, that's an exciting part. And I'm glad mm-hmm. to hear that you've found some ways that you think you can protect yourself a little bit and, and maybe yeah. leave that work, you know, back at the cemetery and not coming home with you. Right. Yeah. And I use sage a lot to, to cleanse my house. I feel it worked. And, you know, practicing uh, positive energy, you know, positive yeah. affirmations and all help as well. Yeah. Like that intent. Right. I mean, I tell you, uh, I I know what you mean, man. Like there's been times where that's been my biggest concern about going out and experiencing these things and going to these places is bringing something back. You know, I always, listen, I always like qualify that I don't know what I believe in. And even that is in question. Mm-hmm. But I think if there's an opportunity, even if there's a possibility that it may exist that I bring something back with me, then that is a terrible possibility to explore it in, in, in most regards. I think some would, some would say, you know, well, you're going to bring something, uh, you know, that's probably no harm to you. That, that could always happen. A, a friendly ghost. Right. But more often than not, it seems like those aren't necessarily the energies that attach to folks and they are something that's maybe a little bit more negative. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I feel you on that, like the trepidation a little bit. And I respect your decision to be able to take a break from it and say no, right? Like I yeah. think there's always this, this sort of pressure to always say yes, yes, yes to the phenomenon. Yeah. When sometimes you just got to fucking say no. <laughs> yeah. Right? You know, I, I, it makes me question like a lot of things, you know, like do I, I ask myself, is black magic real? It's, uh, and then there, uh, there's evidence at points the fact that it does um, are ghosts real or is it just a figment of our imagination but then we have like video evidence and audio evidence that right. goes to exist and then you know I, I've I've questioned myself many times you know does God really exist and then is there scientific evidence you know I, I do pray I don't know who I'm praying to but then you know now especially this year you see so much chaos going on so much um um sufferings you know and i as as a person i don't understand it you know like with whatever you guys are experiencing in the states with with the protest the violence you know and then we got the the we got COVID 19 now uh too many innocent people are suffering uh and i don't understand why because a lot of good people have passed on you know and it upsets me and then i would ask myself does god exist you know and then i get a sign that oh maybe he does maybe he doesn't yeah Right. Yeah. And the paranormal is the same way. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. when you 
when you ask or sometimes when you least expect it, it says, Hey, uh, I'm here again. Like mm-hmm. you want to, you want to play, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, take, you know, take me through what your process is a little bit as when, when you were, you know, that string of years that you were boots on the ground, uh, uh-huh. so often, what was your process like when you'd go to a location? We would do a lot of homework, right? So I read up anything I can find in the libraries, online, speak to people that either have lived in that, that area or have had experiences. So you take all that in. And then um, we would take, I think, maybe about eight to 10 hours. We would be on location for eight to 10 hours. And for all, so we're talking about really intense, um, an intense shoot. And then you get like maybe one second of, of paranormal evidence. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's very tiring. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't enjoy being on location for, for that long. Yeah. Mm, but yeah, the, the, the adrenaline helps coffee and Red Bull definitely right. helps most of the energy, <laughs> not plugging the, those brands, but <laughs> they definitely yeah, help. Right. 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 Um, what, you know, what are some of the most, uh, what are some of the most famous locations for haunted activity in Singapore or at least paranormal activity? Uh, some places that listeners may want to go, you know, sort of learn about themselves. Okay. The most famous one on our mainland is called Old Changi Hospital. Mm. So that was built by the British and it was used to, to treat the, the, the men and women that, that was serving when they occupied Singapore. Mm. And then the Japanese, uh, when they fought the British and the British left, they took over that hospital to treat their people. And also they used it to torture the prisoners of war. Oh, damn. Right. So uh, when the Japanese lost, it went back to the British and then it came into uh, the hands of the Singapore Armed Forces that was... That's our army, and then it became a a hospital for our citizens. So it's got all this stuff that that happened, and then it's supposed to be really haunted. I've been there, yeah. But just the look of it, it's amazing. And then so in Singapore, nothing stays abandoned too long. So now, <laughs> now it's uh, it's got a big ass bar. It's got a hotel. It's a dormitory for, for students, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, nothing stays abandoned in this country for, for too long. And then we've got this other place called uh, Istana Woodnook, right? If you guys don't know, Singapore and Malaysia were once, like, together. Uh, we were, like, as one before the break happened. So the Sultan of Johor, uh, how do I explain the Sultan? It's like the king, right? Uh, the king of that state, he built like this huge mansion. So it's called the Istana Woodnook. It's still there. They can't break it down because that land is still owned by uh, by that, the Malaysian royal family. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's beautiful to look at, man. If you love horror and you want to shoot a movie, yeah, it's 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 really it's nice. Got everything there. <laughs> yeah, and and the land, right? It's worth three hundred and fifty million dollars now. Holy smokes! Yeah. But the family, the, the royal family, they don't need the money, so it's left abandoned. Yeah, wow, crazy. Yeah. You know, um, let's. Th- you know, we're talking a lot about like sort of the history of Singapore and uh, the, you know, times it's been occupied, and it 
you know, I wonder if that history of colonialization shows itself often in the spirits that you find or encounter. Mm, not really, though, because if we talk about the war, there's only certain locations where you'll find ghost soldiers. And then um, the, the Japanese, they had this thing called the Sukching Massacre, where they would wipe out a lot of uh, the Chinese. So if you come from an educated family, if you're a doctor, um, you know, you're a lawyer, if you're educated, right, you would be killed. Um, most of them was along beaches in Singapore. So we got the Changi Beach and, really? and another one in Pungo. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's like mass killing. So it's kind of like what mm-hmm. Cambodia went through not too long ago with the Khmer Rouge. And as long as you're educated mm-hmm. and you, you pose a threat to the plans that they had, yeah, then you, you and your family would be wiped out. Yeah. Yeah. In most particular, those locations is where you would find, you know, sort of those spirits or evidence of colonialization. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, fascinating. And what a deep history that is, though. I mean, you know, there's not too many places in the West where you can experience that that depth of colonialization um, through, through, I suppose, that many groups of people and, and such a small vicinity right yeah in that way do you feel that you know singapore has has like an extra charged energy and i mean maybe even expend extend that into the region um is there an extra charge there to the spiritual energy yeah i would think so i think it's this dark energy you know it's uh residual energy from from our past yeah I, I think you guys experience more demonic entity, if I'm not wrong. If it's a haunted house, it, there's a higher chance that it is a demonic entity. Am I right? I mean, I, I certainly have uh, heard of those experiences. It's hard to, it's really hard to say. I mean, I think that there's a lot of uh, seemingly, seemingly a lot of like sort of benign, um, what is the term for it? Maybe someone in the chat knows what it is, but what is, what is the form of ghost where it's like they're on a repeat when they're on a reel? Noel, maybe you know that where it's just mm-hmm. like they're on a tape recorder and they're looping. And it's yeah, a lot yeah. Of like, there's a lot of that sort of stuff here. For yeah. Sure. We have that too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think some of the tales, in terms of United States and, and uh, the demonic energy is, is maybe a little, um, a, a little hyped, a little overhyped than what is actually there. I could be yeah. completely wrong, but. And a lot of stuff happens in basements, right? Yeah. Yeah. In Singapore, we, we, we don't really have basements at all because a lot of us live in, in flats, there are apartments. So I'm on oh, the sure. 17th floor mm-hmm. oh, and wow. even my mom's house right? Uh, it's, it's a terrace house. Yeah. We don't have basements. So thank good. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're a lot of, a lot of the haunting that happens here are in liminal yeah. spaces here in the United States, mm. transitionary places. So hotels, right. Um, y- you know, train stations, uh, hospitals, mm. Right. A, a lot of these places that are in between somewhere or that someone is like sort of frequenting them and off seems to be a lot of the centered of those activities. And then within those uh, places themselves, 
a lot of the haunting occurs in places like stairwells next to mirrors doorways are are sort of these interesting portals to it seemingly windows all seem to have like sort of a place within the matrices of uh, American hauntings. And I'm not uh, an expert. I should have had maybe Carl Pfeiffer or some Pfeiffer or somebody from Hellier on to talk about that with us today, but it is interesting. And I think we should probably do that for a, for a future show, man. We should like break down some notes, you know, country by country and <laughs> compare and contrast a little bit. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, I wonder if you can tell me a little bit about, I mean, your experience with potentially being attacked by entities. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen pictures of you with like scratches and abrasions. What's the, mm-hmm. what's, what's going on with that? What's happening? Uh, I, okay. I used to be very aggressive and I used to be very vulgar on set. And, you know, mm. uh, I think I was ignorant to, to the dangers mm. that come you know, with whatever I do. So all those incidents have taught me to to respect them as I would respect a living person. Mm. Uh, so I'm not rude anymore. I'm not, um, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not an ass. <laughs> when, I, when I ghost hunt now and do my paranormal investigations, yeah. Yeah, can, can you describe a little bit about one of those experiences when it happened to you? Uh, yeah, so I've been scratched on, on my face before, on my cheek. Uh, we don't know how it got there. Uh, there's another time when... So we did this thing in the cemetery. Uh, the Chinese do this here where they put out food offerings, right? So they put the, the joysticks and they put out like pig intestines. I don't know whether you guys eat pig intestines back home, but okay, we do. So they put it out and then they did all uh, the, the, the prayers and, and all... And then after that, I decided to, to try the food, right? Because it's supposed to be tasteless. That, that's what I've been hearing for all these years. Like when they put, put offerings out, the ghost would eat it and then it would be, it'd be tasteless. And then oh, it started whoa. to eat the intestines. And it tasted good. <laughs> it wasn't tasteless. Uh-huh. But as we were driving out of the, the cemetery and I was still on camera, uh, you could tell that my mouth was bleeding. Oh. Uh, and it was bleeding quite a bit. So I, I don't know. It, I, I definitely didn't bite my tongue or, you know, my, my lips, but it was my gums. Yeah, this entire area is just bleeding. So Yeah, right. Is that linked to whatever I did? Or is that a coincidence? I, I don't know, man. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about, like, your future in this. Now that it looks like you're entering back into it. Mm-hmm. What, are the, what are some of the stories that you're reminding yourself of to now like protect yourself more it sounds like you want to be like sort of less aggressive um what are kind of the stories or the things you're reminding yourself to like go about it in this new in this new way yeah you know just to be i I need to be respectful of um the land that i'm on i need to respect whatever entity that is there uh i need to maybe go into a lot more love instead you know Mm -hmm. So don't show fear. I mean, that's always the number one rule. Yeah, but to, to show love and, and compassion. And, uh, you know, I, I want to explore Southeast Asia more. That there are parts that I've never been to, like uh, Laos or Vietnam. Or um, I, I want to do something again in Cambodia. That's for sure. Yeah. And what do you, uh, 
what do you hope or expect to find or learn from entering back into the fray like this? I wanted to learn more about the different cultures. Like, although Southeast Asia, everyone looks about the same, but they, they, the cultures, their, their superstitions, their beliefs, it, it varies, you know? Yeah. So I, I feel that when I do a show like this, I get to experience their culture for what it is, you know? And it's not like all the touristy areas, it's in the villages, you know? Uh, and they practice or they lead lives in, in a different way. And yeah, so that's what I, I hope to achieve. Well, that resonates with me for sure. I mean, that's one of my favorite parts of doing the documentary work is going and experiencing different cultures and, and mm-hmm. embedding myself and just using sort of the paranormal as a lens to the human experience within that culture itself, right? It's such a good opportunity to just like food or music or whatever sort of art form or, you know, cultural activity or human activity. It's such a good uh, modality to be able to communicate with humans in that other way, isn't it? Yeah, I think so, man. I I agree. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for you, man. Like, I'm so glad for you to be out in the field again. There's something about it that just, uh, yeah, it's, it's good to know a person like you, you know, you've got a big heart. You, you are going to be able to carry a lot of love into the field with you. I know you will. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to see what comes from that. Um, Real quick before we end for tonight, you know, I am interested in, although a lot of your work centers around, you know, sort of uh, ghost activities and and hauntings, is there other strange phenomena there in Singapore, like uh, UFOs or lit craft or uh, cryptids that are reported have you had any experience with things like that there? And, and no. is that something that you would want to explore more? Uh, UFOs, no. I, I mean, it intrigues me, but we, we've never, I don't think we've ever had a sighting. Or maybe we, we have, and I don't know about it. But we have too much light pollution here. <laughs> yeah. Like, you, you hardly see stars, man. You know, because, right. like I said, right, it's a densely populated island, so... Uh, I don't know. I, I've never seen a UFO. Uh, I don't know whether aliens exist, but, you know, maybe they do. Yeah. Well, you're on the 17th floor. Are you getting close to being able to see some sky up there? No, man. No. <laughs> it's, it's so difficult to spot stars. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah you're going to have to definitely get into some of those other southeastern countries so you can just see some stars. Yeah. Um. You know, what? what do you believe personally that, is happening when we interact with ghosts. Mm. Could you rephrase that? Yeah. Do you have a personal belief about what the nature of our contact is with ghosts? Mm. I think a lot of times they, we infringe into their space, right? Mm-hmm. And, and there are times when they have unfinished business, uh, especially, you know, I think ghosts around when, it's a sudden death, uh, either in a war or in an accident or, or because someone was murdered and they have unfinished business. The, the, the loved ones, I mean, truly miss them. Um, they couldn't get to say goodbye. So I think a lot of times it's, it's that itself, you know, and then we, if we can pass on the message, you know, and not a, appear crazy to, to the next of kin, then, you know, that, that helps. Yeah, right. 
Well, I hear your baby in the background, my friend. I think that's time for... Oh, you do? Yeah. I, <laughs> I do, yeah. For, for, for dad to get off the conference line and, and go deal with the kiddo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's good timing. They always know when interviews are over. It's just, they just seem to. Kids and cats. No. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, my, my wife <laughs> is taking care of her. My, my mother-in-law is this year as well for the weekend. Fantastic. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the show, man. Um, can you uh, drop your information on where people can find your work? And of course be, you know, attached to the show notes when I post this, but uh, for the sake of all these folks. Yeah. Um, it's Gold Star Singapore on YouTube. And then I've got my personal uh, Instagram and Facebook accounts as well. The world Boyd. I'm very bad at plugging myself. Like my wife tells me that I need to plug my book more and I never do. So I'm going to do it now. I'm going to get a earful. Yeah, it's available on Amazon. It's uh, it's titled Goals for Singapore. So I think my my face is on the book. Yeah, so you can't miss it. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, I can't wait to get that. I should be getting that in the mail anytime now. Um, And yeah, man, this was long overdue, but I'm glad we were able to do it. Hopefully it's the first of many. Yeah. Yeah. Here's two adventures. I'm glad you're back on the trail. Adventures. Thank you so much, Noel. Yeah, you're welcome, man. Appreciate it. Have a great night. And, Noel, have a great day over there in Sydney. Yeah, it's morning here. Okay. (laughs) Take care, man. Take care. Cheers. Love you guys. Cheers. Bye. Thank you for listening to Euphemet's Week of Halloween. We'll be back tomorrow night with a new Night Drift episode. Then on Friday, we will release a new Euphemet feature. All of this brought to you by Shudder. Thank you again to our guest, Noel Boyd. Find links to his work in our show notes to be a part of our next live Zoom interview. Join us on patreon.com slash Euphemet. And remember, subscribe to Night Drift's new feed wherever you listen to podcasts. This edition has been edited by Kyle Gilmer of Residual Audio. For everything Night Drift and Euphemet, merch, and links to our social media, visit euphemet.com. Thank you for listening. This is Jim Perry. And until next time, keep looking up. You can follow Night Drift with Jim Perry on Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to receive new episodes of Night Drift automatically and gain access to all of our podcasts.